you, I'll marry you. Watch Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, Marry Me. Directed by Kat Koiro. Ready PG-13. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. It's still real to me, damn it. Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Still Real Test Show, episode number 622 for January 13th, 2022. Welcome to this week's edition of SRTU. I'm one after the show. I am Jeff Peck, typically joined each and every week by Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, Dr. Trey is on the injured list right now. He had to go have emergency surgery today. So I am on a solo vessel of this week's edition of SRTU. Dr. Trey's doing okay. He's going to be fine. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back here next week. We send our thoughts and our prayers to Dr. Troy Franklin. Um, the, pr- the, the plan for this week's edition of the show was to kind of go over everything that we missed during the holiday programming schedule, and we'll still do that today. Uh, but first and foremost, I, I, I want to get out there about the uh, the recent downloading issues. So if you've been accustomed to downloading the show from thebowershow.com or from Apple's iTunes, Apple iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get our feed, um, you have not been able to download the episode since now two weeks ago. Um, at the end of last week's edition of the show, when I went to go upload the show onto our server, uh, I could not get onto the server, which obviously led to issues of us not being able to post it on Apple. Um, Mike Bauer, the Bauer show, who, uh, used to do the wheelhouse with him, the Bauer show. Um, he, he helps me out with posting the podcast. So he's checking, uh, why we can't get it up onto our Apple feed with the server, the website, blah, blah, blah. To make a long story short, by Saturday morning, it just wasn't going to be able to get up on Apple anytime soon. So we needed to get the show out there. Uh, it was ready to go Thursday night, posted it up on YouTube, and then about maybe an hour later after it hit YouTube, uh, Bauer also put it up on, on Spreaker.com, uh, which I believe is like an iHeart um, radio uh, place to get podcasting. So that's where it's going to be for now is on Spreaker. Breaker.com. So we'll, we'll post the link up onto our Twitter feed. We'll post it up onto the Facebook page. Um, in the meantime, we're going to continue to keep trying to uh, get the podcast up onto uh, all the RSS feeds that we uh, are typically used to. It should be up there at some point. 
Not necessarily sure when that's going to be, if it's going to be this week, this weekend, but uh, it is something that is ongoing and working. But uh, for the time being, download the show over at Spreaker.com. We'll post the link again up onto Facebook and onto Twitter. And I appreciate everybody for uh, all their patience in this right now because it's obviously changing the way that we do things currently with how the podcast is, is downloaded for all of you each and every week. So with that said, uh, we're just going to get into it here. We're going to get into this week's edition of the podcast. Uh, it's just myself. We'll try to do it as long as we can. Typically when there's not a lot, you know, another person to bounce off of, the pod won't be as long as, as you typically come to, to become accustomed to. But who knows? Maybe I'll babble on enough that it uh, hits that 50 minutes to an hour long mark. Um, so the first thing I wanted to cover here on this week's Into the Pod, stuff that we missed, was obviously Kyle O'Reilly's debut in AEW, reunited with Adam Cole and Bobby Fish, um, and now the playoff of of the current jealousy angle that we are seeing play out on uh, AEW television each and every week, so I carried back over on last night's Dynamite with the return of the Young Bucks after Matt Jackson had uh, contracted COVID-19. Uh, not a not a surprise at all that Kyle O'Reilly has debuted in AEW. Um, not a surprise that three out of the four members of Undisputed Era now are together. When Kyle O'Reilly's contract came up with NXT, I, I know there were some reports out there because I read them that like there was a belief that he may come back to NXT, which I just never saw happening. Uh, obviously, they didn't move him up to Raw or SmackDown or have any uh, discussion about that. So Kyle goes to AEW, which makes perfect sense. And now... It, we have like this bizarre moment in time where nearly two and a half years after the Wednesday night wars kicked off the number one faction from NXT three out of four members are now in AEW. it's it's bizarre. It's something I did not see coming. You know, this is like as if the NWO jumped over to WWE during the height of the Monday night wars, while the, the, the levels of Monday night wars versus Wednesday night wars were two different things. It is, kind of uh, depressing in a way for NXT. We've talked about the depression of NXT as of late, not the product itself, but everything that we knew and loved about it. We'll have more about that later on in the show with some of the performance center cuts. But this is uh, this is definitely a shift. This is kind of playing out the way that um, I thought it was going to play out. Uh, I feel like Roderick Strong will be AW bound at some point. We know his wife is already working for AEW on on dark um you know i don't believe she has a contract with them but she is doing matches there uh don't really know what the relationship for roderick strong is like with adam cole and the others you got to figure it's pretty tight but to think that this is not the end of nxt prominent nxt stars from the black and gold era making their way to AEW is is you're 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 being very naive. Uh, I have a feeling that we may be seeing Johnny Gargano in AEW soon. I, I know that there's an angle for him to return back to NXT, and there's been signs pointing to it that it's like, okay, this is a possibility. But I feel like he's AEW bound. There's a ton of rumors there. Beach break's coming up. Cleveland, Ohio in less than two weeks. It seems to be a perfect fit. I know people are already teasing. You know, there are there's a number of issues between best friends and the elite slash former Undisputed Era, who would make that pretty well even up, but Johnny Gargano, who is extremely close friends with um, Chucky e. T. You know, it. he was in this wedding. It's it's very well possible that we could see Gargano in AEW. I feel like we are going to see Gargano in AEW. So it's, um, 
it's insane to see three fourths of the undisputed era now in AEW. Uh, once Adam Cole went, I felt like the ball started rolling. Once we saw the changes in NXT, I thought the ball was even rolling further. And I still think we haven't seen the end of it thus far. Um, from a wrestling fan perspective, this is cool. I, I think we're getting Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly uh, feuding with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega soon, which I'm down with. I don't know if it happens as early as the Revolution pay-per-view, but maybe it drags out a little bit all the way to double or nothing. But I think we're on a crash course of that, barring some sort of maybe Roderick Strong availability at some point. So uh, Kyle O'Reilly in, in AEW now, it's um, it's unfortunate for NXT. But it it's the right thing for his career because I think if Kyle stayed in NXT 2.0, it would it would be more of of what we saw. I don't think he's the focal point anymore. He was at one point. I mean, you, we'd reports either that Triple H and Shawn Michaels saw him as the top babyface for the NXT brand. That's the reason why they split up the Undisputed Era. That's the reason why that they went with an Adam Cole Kyle O'Reilly feud, which props to AEW for for kind of carrying over in AEW as well. Um, and now he's he's gone. I think the WWE era of signing independent wrestling stars is is probably over right now, barring some huge names. I think you're going to see this revert back to that 2005-2012 era of signing professional wrestling talent, barring you know some big names like the Seth Rollins and the Brian Danielsons and the CM Punks of the world. I don't see them going out there and siding like Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly types anymore. I think that people who are independent wrestling stars are more inclined to go with AEW because it's like a foot in the door of a major promotion like a WWE slash foot in the door of remaining where they are to, to monetize their most uh, income and still have that pro wrestling tea store, still have the ability and flexibility to wrestle wherever they want, whether it be in GCW, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I think for an independent wrestling star, that's more enticing than going to WWE where you're just going to um, just stay in in a uh, stay in WWE and not go anywhere else, not have that forbidden door open anywhere at any point in any time. So Unless WWE is willing to change their current model as a professional wrestling business, which I don't think they are, I think barring with the signings that they've done recently, getting back to the like the WWE style of signings versus what they were doing during the Triple H era, um, then I think you're going to see more indie darlings making their way to AEW rather than WWE, and it makes sense. Like I, I can't see WWE signing Danhausen. I think Danhausen is more AEW uh, type of star even though we applied for A&W. But, um, you know, it's a great get for AEW. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Kyle O'Reilly performs. I think probably the only drawback I have is that Kyle was out there as a single star, which I was digging, and now he's kind of taking a step back for the time being as a tag team wrestler with Red Dragon again with Bobby Fish. And um, it makes you wonder, like, what could have been? Would he have had a run with an NXT championship? Is he a type of guy that in AEW can run with the AEW world title at some point? He was an ROH world champion at one point. Can he run in the TNT championship rankings? So it's a great move for Kyle Riley. I think it's the right career move for him. Great get for AEW, and it really shows the cards on the table with where WWE and NXT is headed uh, with their talent acquisitions moving forward. So Kyle Riley in AEW, not a shock, not a surprise. I don't think this is the end of it. Uh, I think Johnny Gargano is next. I think Roderick Strong is not too far down the line. But um, congrats to Kyle Riley and AEW for uh, – 
this major signing because this is a big deal for AEW and can have a lot of really cool matches and storylines and angles that we could see play out and are starting to see play out each and every week on AEW television. Uh, other news while we were out during the holiday programming schedule that uh, – of uh, another wrestler that has departed from WWE is is Tony Storm. Uh, she reportedly requested a release. It was just before the end of the year uh, that she quit WWE coming out of the, the mini feud, television feud with Charlotte Flair. She had a match with Charlotte Flair on Christmas Eve, um, was starting to climb the, the ladder of success in WWE, for my opinion, was finally getting an opportunity to run with the ball after having a lot of start and stops. It's coming over to NXT um, US from the UK and then coming over to SmackDown there was a lot of times where she was being utilized and the times where she wasn't, which I feel like was a completely lost missed opportunity for WWE to not hone in on, on someone who is extremely talented. thought she was on the right path of, of her career, getting an opportunity to wrestle with, um, with, with Charlotte Flair is a pretty big deal in WWE. And then she reportedly decided to, uh, to be released. She didn't like the grind reportedly from WWE. She, she wanted out. And, um, obviously just like anytime someone is released and, and you have your competition out there and you look at their women's divisions, which are, uh, no disrespect, definitely a, a, a little bit more weaker than what we see on WWE television presently, from my opinion. Um, you immediately think and say that, you know, Tony Storm going to AEW would be a fantastic get for them, which is absolutely true. Tony Storm going to Impact Wrestling would be a fantastic get for them, which would be absolutely true. Um, sharp fiance Juice Robinson, I believe his contract is coming up with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he would be a fantastic get. I actually thought that there was a possibility, being that Tony Storm was in WWE, that, that Juice Robinson would be coming back to WWE. Um, he was with the developmental territory back in you know the beginning of the WWE Network era of NXT, um, but that doesn't appear to be happening now, which makes you wonder if Tony and, and Juice are going to be appearing in Impact or in AEW. I think she clearly knows what she wants to do and what she wants to get, and what WWE was offering to her just wasn't it. I don't know if they didn't have any plans for her to have a follow-up with Charlotte Flair, which is quite possible. Uh, they were in the crux of this television feud just before day one. Don't know if there was supposed to be a day one plan or if there was a plan heading to the Royal Rumble. But if it's comparisons to the Liv Morgan Becky Lynch feud, at least Tony Storm's name would still be in the champion's mouth heading into the Royal Rumble season. So it was definitely a surprise, definitely a shock. At first, it was the feeling of like, oh, my God, WWE is releasing her. But then you come to find out that she herself had re requested a release, which is which is unfortunate, but she knows her career better than, than we as fans do. I like the path that she was headed for the time being. It was very, very short term in WWE. Um, I can understand if she had issues with the way that she was being presented in the last year plus, but it, it, it is a loss for WWE because this is someone that to me could have been a SmackDown or Raw Women's Champion. It reminded me a lot of her current path, reminded me a lot of when they started to really push Alexa Bliss on SmackDown once they did the brand split. Felt like that she was going to get an opportunity to come out of this television feud, this, these matches with Charlotte Flair, that if she was well-received by the fans and the people in the backstage area, that they would start giving her more opportunities, uh, whether it be in a, a championship run or even a tag team championship run. So it's unfortunate. It is what it is. It is a business. WWE granted a release, and uh, she's no longer with World Wrestling Entertainment, which is a major loss for them. It'll be a fantastic gain for somebody else, whether it be AEW Impact Wrestling or if Tony Storm decides to head back overseas uh, and wrestle in Japan or even the UK scene as well. So Tony Storm no longer with WWE coming out of that feud 
with Charlotte Flair. Um, speaking of AEW, speaking of the women's division, uh, there was a story that dropped uh, New Year's New Year's Eve Day, um, which was very uh, uh, interesting timing, I guess. You know, but it caught me by surprise where uh, Big Swole called out AEW for their their diversity issues. So uh, she discussed her AEW departure on a recent episode of her podcast, Swole World. Um, she called out the company for a lack of structure and diversity that led to her departure. Tony Khan took to Twitter and issued a response to Swole within an hour of her quotes going public. Uh, he pointed to how he and Mega Paraka, who is AEW's chief legal counsel and the senior vice president of chief and chief legal officer of the NFL's Jacksonville Jaguars are the top two executives in the company. And then he named various wrestlers who had TV wins in December, including Jade Cardgill, the acclaimed private party, Dante Morton, and Nyla Rose. Um, he also mentioned the TBS title tournament has been very diverse. He said, I let Swole's contract expire as I felt her wrestling wasn't good enough. Hashtag AW Rampage, street fight tonight, exclamation point, end quote on the tweet. Um, I thought that was just... A really tasteless tweet from Tony Khan, a guy who is often praised by wrestling fans for his willingness to be creative and give the fans what they want. I thought his comments was very out of touch. I thought they were very insensitive and I thought they were really wrong. Um, you go back to that podcast from Big Swole and she's not knocking Tony Khan. Like they said, she said they ended on good terms had a really good conversation. She's just giving her perspective on the diversity issues in AEW. And rather, Tony Khan, listening to what a former employee has to say, his response was so mature, uh, so insensitive, saying that her wrestling wasn't good enough, I, I think is complete bullshit. Um, Swole first debuted with AEW at All Out in August 2019, competing in the bad Casino Battle Royal. Um, she had signed a contract with the company in December 2019, she announced on November 30th that she was leaving the company. Her last match was a win over Ali Koch on the September 21st edition of AEW Dark. She had that, uh, what was it, like a dentist uh, street fight? I, they did like a cinematic match at, at Double or Nothing between her and Dr. Britt Baker when Britt Baker was, you know, one of the top stars in the, in, in the division and she was out with injury. You know, they still were able to get by with her feud with Big Swole while she recovered. And that was good. I thought it was a good opportunity for Big Swole. I enjoy Big, Big always enjoy Big Swole. I enjoy her her abilities in the ring. Uh, I've enjoyed her uh, character. I th I thought she was a great wrestler. I, I I enjoyed her work. I thought Tony Khan calling her out for that was was very disparaging and in embarrassing and insulting, um, as well. I, I just couldn't believe it, you know. And then you have a lot of the folks from AEW. Uh, the current wrestlers defending Tony Khan and, you know, it's their boss and, and saying that they're getting opportunities and what she said is not true and factual. And um, you had, I think one star Leo Rush who demanded an apology. I guess he did speak to Tony Khan. Um, I don't know if this has anything to do with it. He was advertised to appear on dynamite last night with Dante Martin against powerhouse Hobbs and he didn't show up. I, I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But just very out of character response for Tony, for, from Tony Khan in regards to a situation that's very serious with diversity. Um, found it to be very unprofessional, to be honest with you. And if WWE did that, it would be torn apart like nobody's business. Um, Big Swole did respond and comment to Tony Khan's comments 
his tweet in regards to her podcast appearance and then the lack of diversity issues in AEW. Uh, she said she has not spoken with AEW president Tony Khan since he publicly criticized her on Twitter, uh, saying, quote, to answer everybody's question, no, there's been no apology. She said there's been no contact or anything, and I don't think there will be because I feel like maybe he feels like he had said nothing wrong at all. Um, she also went along and said uh, about the tweet, quote, I couldn't believe it. It went from that to disappointed. I guess overall, I'm very disappointed. A person with that pedigree should know how to respond in a way that doesn't come off in the most negative way possible. Just to have that, what truth do you have? What grace? Um, she said, did you even listen to the podcast? Obviously not, because it just went completely off the rails. You went completely to counting brown people. If it was truly about counting brown people, I would be naming certain demographics. Um, so she also talked about her exit interview saying, I'm a person that in my exit interview, you just praise me for everything. Swole were called. You praise me for my leadership roles in the division and what I've done to help and how my matches were good and great and how quote, Hey, we would love to have you back end quote. But a couple of weeks or so later, uh, you did this. I was just very disappointed, embarrassed. And that was uh big Swole's reaction. And, and you can't blame her for that. I would be embarrassed as well. It was, a very unprofessional, disgusting way to go about it from Tony Khan. And I think she hit it on the head by saying, you know, with that type of pedigree, you would figure that somebody would know how to respond to that better than the way that Tony Khan did. Um, and I, I just thought it was a terrible look for all elite wrestling. I think it was a very bad look for Tony Khan. And I think he's fortunate that this kind of was hidden during the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day stuff, because if this was happening right now, I think it's a completely different reaction and story, and I think it. I think it's a bit shameful that there are wrestlers who, um, you know, I can understand defending the Shield, defending All Elite Wrestling, defending Tony Khan because you enjoy everything that he's done for you. But I do think that behind the scenes, and we'll never know this, nothing's being reported presently. It's been thirteen days, fourteen days since this story first dropped. Um, you'd have to figure that there would be some sort of discussions, being like, "Listen, I, I don't agree with Big Swole, however." The way you handle that is is not the way that it should be handled. Because what if this comes up again? The diversity issues in all elite wrestling. People are going to point to that. People are going to point to that unprofessional comment from Tony Khan, and then counting the amount of diversity, diverse superstars you have or wrestlers you have on your roster, rather than saying, you know what, I'm going to pick up the phone, I'm going to make a phone call to Big Swole, hear her out, and see if there are areas that we need to work on. Um, you know, I'm someone from my position that can't really speak on, on diversity issues. However, I feel like nowadays we should be more engaged to listening rather than jumping to the conclusions that Tony Khan did. And I think, again, his response by saying that the reason why they let her go is because her wrestling was not good enough, I just think is so terribly wrong. It's just so out of character, so unprofessional, and extremely bad luck. And I just simply ask wrestling fans, listeners of this podcast, that if Vince McMahon Triple H, Stephanie, Shane McMahon said those words. What do you think the reaction would be today? I want you to take that tweet and just add at the end of it, this came from Vince McMahon's account. Tell me how you would handle it. Because I think it's a much bigger story than it would be presently based off of the factors and how people view other folks right now. So not a good look for all elite wrestling. Despite some of the moves that they've made, uh, diversity wise, I, I, I still feel like you got to listen to somebody like this. Cause I listened to big souls comments and I didn't feel like she was taking aim at Tony Khan. I think she was giving and supplying constructive criticism 
and to just go, the reason why she's not here is because she's a shit wrestler is ridiculous. Like that, that's clearly not true. You, you saw Big Swole wrestle way before all elite wrestling. You signed her to a contract because you did like her wrestling. This wasn't somebody that was eyes, you know, your hands covering your eyes. You never saw wrestle before, you know, just a bad, bad response overall, really, really bad response by all elite wrestling. And, and I think one that coming out of this, Tony Khan needs to be uh, a little bit more willing to hear constructive criticism than not. He, I've seen this before the way that he handles things with like the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is kind of his personality. Uh, I think he is a beloved figure in professional wrestling and rightfully so, but I do think he has an air of entitlement uh, and an entail. And uh, he also has a little bit of, of like a spoiled brat in a way. And that has everything to do with him, with his, his background and his pedigree and everything that has been given to him and been able to start with. He seems like a very down to earth guy, but overall um, we've, I've seen this type of behavior handled with other things and other promotions, other sports organizations that he deals with. I just mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars is one and how he clashes with, with players on Twitter, um, when there's contract disputes rather than maybe some stuff behind closed doors. I think as he grows and becomes uh, of a better professional, you don't take it to Twitter. It just is a really, really bad look. And, um, I think he's fortunate that it took place over the time period of a holiday than not. Um, shifting gears to world wrestling entertainment. Uh, last week, there was a lot of performance center cuts. We talked about briefly on the podcast when we were given our, uh, our predictions and our wrestling preview for 2022. Uh, some notable names that are gone. Uh, William Regal, Samoa Joe, uh, Brian James, known as Road Dog Jesse James, Scott Armstrong, Ryan Katz, who was GQ Money in um, XPW. Uh, Gabe Sapolsky, who used to be the head booker for ROH Wrestling, Evolve, Dragon Gate USA. Some of the names that were gone, um, uh, Rajan Singh, the, uh, the the gentleman who played Rajan Singh on television, no longer with the company. It, all in all, basically, uh, WWE released a significant portion of the, quote, Triple H crew. I think probably the only person who has not been released that I didn't see his name on that list was Jeremy Borash from Impact Wrestling and obviously Shawn Michaels. But significant people who are in the inner circle of Triple H are no longer down in the Performance Center. And it's an absolutely damn shame. Um, shocking, to be honest with you. And a lot of this was contributed to the changes to NXT 2.0. I feel like now with the Performance Center cuts and the stuff that we saw on New Year's Evil the night before, really disrespectful now for everything that they did. You know, you got that moment with Braun Breaker pulling the chains on the old NXT logo, kicking the X, which uh, reportedly was not received well by some people in in WWE. And then a day later, a lot of people that helped build that black and gold brand to what it was are no longer with the company. It's it's shocking to me how much NXT has been torn down to what it was from 2014 to September of this past year. I think... I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I was going back to when the Wednesday Night Wars began, we were apprehensive as wrestling fans about NXT coming on to our television, because if they did lose, if they did take a step back, if AW wipes the floor with them, what would happen to NXT? And for the most part, AEW, I wouldn't say AEW wiped the floor with NXT. I think NXT, they obviously lost the viewership war. Um, AEW is still on Wednesday nights. NXT retreated to Tuesdays, which is not typical for 
for WWE. But I do feel like a lot of that is played in the fact, and I would always bring this up all the time as a wrestling fan. I would watch AW Live, and I would watch NXT either on DVR or I'd watch it on then the WWE Network or Peacock rather than watching it live over AEW. And I did that because of convenience. I knew I don't have a way to watch AEW um, unless it's like an on-demand or, or I DVR it. And there would have to be a really solid reason why I would want to watch NXT. But nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10, to be fair to NXT, I was watching AEW live because I had other means of watching NXT. And I truly believe that's what hurt them in the long run, when you're going toe-to-toe with AEW, and you're also going toe-to-toe with AEW, there's a ton of buzz and excitement. I think it's obviously a short-sighted thing to say now, but I would not have moved NXT off of the WWE Network. I, I wish they didn't. I do think that that was the plan all along, but I don't know if I would have done it on Wednesday nights now and kept it on Tuesdays. You know, they... AEW announced their time slot well in advance, and WWE counter-programmed by putting it out there earlier in that month of September 2019 on the USA Network and getting it going. It seemed like the right step, but to go to toe with such a, a company with so much buzz was was not great. The presentation, we always talked about each and every week, like I loved the small t- promotion feel of NXT, loved that. But when you watch AEW on television and they're in huge arenas and NXT's not, that hurts them. Um, I don't think, and, and I don't ever think this happens where NXT, unless it's like an old WWE ECW thing where they go live after SmackDown or whatever or Raw, I, I don't think NXT is ever getting into those big arenas now. And the way that it just came off was that AEW was, was more superior in that sense and and I think they're being punished for, for losing that war. Vince McMahon does not like losing. So, you know, they let Triple H run with it for a bit. And maybe there's a belief in Titan Towers in World Wrestling Entertainment that should Vince step away and he give the reins to Triple H like he kind of did for a little bit with NXT Black and Gold era, that this would be the result all the time. And Vince doesn't want to see everything that he worked on be left in shambles. So he always needs to stay there, needs to be the workaholic, needs to, you know... um, micromanage the entire project product and allow it to go through the channels that he wants to. And if he likes he if he left it to triple H, this is what would happen time and time again. I think that's incredibly wrong. I think that's incredibly short sighted. The stuff that triple H was doing with NXT was very, very exciting. It was the type of wrestling that I enjoyed that I knew and loved the development of the WWE stars. It felt like to me was in the right direction. You know, don't, because they just removed all these people from the performance center think that they did not have their hand in the development of Braun Breaker, Andre Chase, or Tony D'Angelo, or Grayson Waller. Like, these guys did not all of a sudden start getting new training for the last three months and pick it on up. The people that were let go were involved in the same development. I think we have seen a complete overhaul and change for the talent talent uh, department for WWE with Johnny Laurinaitis back. Um, I don't like the direction of it as a wrestling fan, but this is kind of what WWE's model, business model is. They tried to go the direction of what AEW does now with indie talents and turning them into WWE stars. And I think they would think it, it, it doesn't work, which is bullshit because look at Seth Rollins, look at Kevin Owens, look at Sami Zayn. These are guys that were on the indie scene and they're very successful in WWE. Finn Balor, Damian Priest. 
I get it. They get a little bit of WWE pixie ducks spread on them, but it was a healthy way of building the promotion moving forward. I felt like Karrion Cross would have been a great addition to the main roster. Keith Lee was going to be a great addition to the main roster. It just made sense, the direction. And it always felt like we would see this NXT growth, and then it would carry itself over to Raw and then SmackDown once Triple H started taking over. I don't know if it's punishment for losing AEW on the Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, I don't know if it has anything to do with his reported health issues, with his uh, cardiac condition or cardiac condition he had back in September this last year that led towards a surgery. But it's it's definitely bothersome. It's concerning to see the, the changes that they're making and the direction of where stuff goes. I still watch NXT 2.0 each and every week. I do think it's in a good position, and it's in a optimistic, bright position. But knowing that it's it's basically it it is it's completely rebooted and refreshed, and we're not going to have the days where on a Saturday night you would sit down for NXT Takeover before a major pay per view, a Survivor Series, a WrestleMania, a SummerSlam, and know that you were going to get a great show on Saturday night with Takeover, knowing that it was going to push WWE's main roster product the next night farther like there was such a stretch where i was never let down by takeovers it was a type of wrestling that i wanted as a a hardcore wrestling fan it did not translate um onto the mainstream like a raw and smackdown so wwe just has this data and numbers and while i may have loved it and supported it and loved the future of the of the company wwe as a business felt otherwise and have completely kind of go back to like i said that 2000s era of world wrestling entertainment the way that they acquire talent signing athletes rather than independent wrestling stars and developing them with gimmicks and characters rather than just in straight in-ring abilities so the the days of the five foot eight 175 pound wrestler putting on a five-star match like johnny gargano and and adam cole did and i don't know if they're five foot eight or or taller but uh, you know what i mean versus the the braun breakers the Tony D'Angelo, Grayson Walls of the world is is the way that it's going to be going right now. So it, it's huge loss of knowledge and talent and belief and structure of development of, of WWE stars like William Regal, Samoa Joe, uh, Road Dog, Jesse James, Scott Armstrong being all let go uh, from the Performance Center last week. I was very, very shocked and saddened to see that. So. Unfortunate uh, turn of events for World Wrestling Entertainment. This is the direction they feel like they need to go with their company and, and making some of these staff cuts at the Performance Center. Just kind of goes in line with what we've seen over the last several uh, weeks and months with uh, developmental, with the NXT brand, and with the Performance Center moving forward. Um, the last thing I want to bring up here is the Big E title run. And we all know it came to an end of day one. We recapped and reviewed WWE day one from Atlanta, Georgia on last week's edition of the podcast. And now looking back at it, there was some sort of statistic that I saw on Twitter where Big E had like six or seven matches following winning the WWE championship over Lashley. And he won like every tag team or mixed mosh match he had, but any singles match he had all ended in losses. And you want to talk about trends in WWE. This is one of the worst trends they do. Whenever they give a new star an opportunity to run with the title, they make their title run extremely difficult for whatever reason. It's, it's, it's not one that is um, memorable. It's often forgettable. It makes you like scratch your head and wonder if they're ever going to be a world champion again. 
I think of Rey Mysterio. I think of CM Punk. I think of Daniel Bryan. Um, I think of those types of guys. It's not like um, like a Seth Rollins run or a Roman Reigns run or a Dean Ambrose run, which begs the question. Like I can understand while they're making Rey Mysterio, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk those first title runs be underwhelming and, and make you scratch your head like, okay, does WWE ever foresee them being strong champions, world champions ever again? Um, but Big E, like Big E, he can go eye-to-eye, toe-to-toe, from a visual standpoint with Bobby Lashley, with Roman Reigns, with Brock Lesnar. Like, why did they make his title run so bad? Were they testing him? You hear all this, like, stupid bullshit where WWE is always testing their stars to see if they have can make it can be cut out for this stuff. And I think this may be one of those cases of that weird testing. Like, does Biggie have it in him following this title run to pick up the pieces and be successful again? I think the answer to that is he does. I I, I absolutely think he does. So it was a shocking, underwhelming world championship run. I would have liked to have seen him have it a little bit longer, but according to reports, he was going to be dropping that championship anyway at day one. Reportedly, that was going to go to Seth Rollins and not Brock Lesnar, obviously. Um, he took the L this past Monday on Raw for Seth Rollins, which from a Seth Rollins development standpoint, heading into a match with Roman Reigns makes sense. I don't think Seth needs a major victory to make me go, oh, yeah, uh, that's right. He can defeat Roman Reigns. This is a guy that has defeated Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, has defeated Roman Reigns in the past. Uh, is a believable world champion. I don't think he needs to beat the former WWE champion cleanly on a Monday Night Raw, especially when there's rumors that this is going to be the match that we potentially were supposed to see at WrestleMania for the WWE Championship between Seth Rollins and Big E. Uh, I do feel like right now, here we are on January 13th, that Big E is the favorite for the Royal Rumble right now. I still feel that way. I, I do think he's in a world championship match at WrestleMania. But his booking for this entire time as WWE champion is extremely peculiar. It's a head scratcher, and it, it's it was underwhelming. And and I don't know why. Why would you take a championship run that so many people, including his peers, were so excited about, and make him look like an underwhelming champion? This isn't somebody who's like five foot four and one hundred and fifty pounds. This is a guy who could very well be a torchbearer for your company for the next eight years, this entire decade. When you look back at some of the top stars in the next 10 years, by 2030, it's going to be Roman Reigns. It's going to be Seth Rollins. It's got to be Brock Lesnar on that list. I think guys like Bob, Bobby Lashley, Big E will be on that list. I think Big E has an opportunity to have a couple more world championship runs uh, around his waist. I think he is an extremely marketable superstar outside of the ring and inside the ring. He's very likable. He's very lovable. It's a guy that you want to see and cheer for each and every week. He's not an underdog. He's a favorite. He's a powerhouse. And he didn't need to be booked that way. This first WWE Championship title run did not need to be booked that way. But short, short-term look at this, it's very well cut, quite possible with the way that WWE does things that his title run was so underwhelming because they have something bigger planned for him over the next couple of weeks and months heading into WrestleMania season, which I am not completely blind to we've seen that before as well they where they like tear people down to build them back up so the biggie title run definitely underwhelming not sure why maybe it's leading to bigger and better things so um yeah I, 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 the loss this past monday was like a head scratcher and i was like this is something i need to bring up 
on this week's edition. This is something I need to bring up and talk to my pal, Dr. Troy Franklin. But nonetheless, uh, I've just been talking to myself for nearly the last 40 minutes of the podcast. Um, and um, yeah, I think that'll that'll do it for this week's edition of the show. Usually we kind of like, you know, bounce some things off of one another here, uh, have some plugs and sponsors out of the way, which I'll get to momentarily. But, you know, these solo shows are not the easiest ones to do. You try talking to yourself for 40 minutes and just letting your thoughts flow from a professional wrestling standpoint. There were a lot of other things that I did want to cover on this week's edition of the pod, but uh, I'm going to save some of that stuff for when Dr. Trey's back. And who knows, maybe some of these topics we'll get Dr. Trey's thoughts on as well. Um, looking at the calendar right now, like an old man that I am, uh, we are two weeks out from the Royal Rumble. So on next week's edition of the show will be a normal edition of the pod. And then in two weeks' time, we actually preview and predict the 2022 Royal Rumble, which kicks off WrestleMania 38 season, which is just insane to think about. Um, so with that said, let's get a couple of plugs and sponsors out of the way. Uh, you can download the show every Thursday uh, for now at Spreaker.com, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. We'll have the link up on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, I am hopeful that we'll be able to get back up onto the Bowershow.com uh, and onto the iTunes feed or uh, wherever you may be uh, getting uh, this podcast on Spotify, on uh, Apple, wherever. Hopefully, we'll be back up there soon. So stay tuned to the Twitter feed, the Facebook feed as we continue to work through that. Uh, when we do return, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us climb the charts on our various different uh, podcasting platforms. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. Um, and also check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Still Real Toast Show. So uh, we'll be back to a regular show next week. Hopefully, Dr. Trey is back. Uh, again, he's on the injured list. He had to have an emergency surgery today. He is fine. He is okay. Uh, maybe he'll talk about it a little bit on next week's edition of the podcast, but that's why I'm running solo for you guys on uh, this week's edition of the pod. Um, and then in two weeks' time, once again, we will be getting ready for the Royal Rumble as we preview and predict the Royal Rumble. And hopefully we'll have uh, little Sammy Franklin back on, who did uh, his choice for the Royal Rumble last year with his action figures. He did choose Nijax to win the Men's Royal Rumble last year. It did not come to fruition, but did have a lot of people uh, spinning their heads a little bit. And we saw some wages change in Vegas because of that exact choice. Uh, so until next week, for Dutch Trey Franklin, who couldn't be here, and for myself, thank you for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to uh, to go to Twitter at SRTU Podcast and again Facebook.com slash the Real Toast Show. So until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Peck. This is the Still Real Toast Show. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. Millions of Americans are getting back to work. CareerBuilder calls it the great rehire. And we want to help you get the best jobs before everyone else. CareerBuilder gives you the competitive edge to get the job you want, at the salary you want, with the benefits you want. We even send job alerts so your perfect job lands right in your inbox. Go to careerbuilder.com today or get left with whatever jobs are left. Find your next job fast 
at careerbuilder.com.